another episode of the planet fantasy podcast i'm one of your hosts kyle damon is off finding the wizard the wonderful wizard of oz we wish him godspeed on his journeys he'll be back next week but in the meantime i'm joined by two great guests our good pal austin is back how's it going man it's okay i'm <laughs> under, under the weather but it's all right he's a trooper he's he's here on the podcast anyway uh and first time guest nick how's it going dude What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so today, well, before we get into our episode, are you guys binging anything recently? Nick, any new shows you're watching? Um, not new shows. Um, I am reintroducing my girlfriend to The Challenge, uh, the great reality TV show on MTV. Um, shout out Dom Lawson. Uh, it's a great <laughs> show, and uh, y'all should be watching it. Okay. Austin? Um, I am watching Succession as it airs, and Insecure as it airs, and Great British Bake Off as it airs. Um, I just started watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which ah, is a great show. Good show, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's always something on. I'm trying <laughs> to get through Bob's Burgers because I realized I've only seen the first three seasons. Uh, but other than that, just Christmas movies. I've been in Christmas mode for like a month now. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone on Bob's because I've seen like a scattering of episodes, but I can never really just like sit down and and just kind of binge it. Like it's good. It's, it's a funny show, but I just and I know right now they're doing like a Thanksgiving episode. That's a, a theme for them. But yeah, maybe when the movie finally comes out, I'll just sit down and watch it all. It's hard um, to binge cartoons. I don't know why. Yeah. 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 Like- there's no through line. It's kind of just uh, situational every time. So it's yeah. like, I don't need, right. to watch, need to binge watch it. I can just watch whatever episode I want whenever I want to. So it's like one of those things. Sure. Oh, and I'm yep. watching The Sopranos. First time? Yep. Can't be first time. What? Yep. Yeah. Wow. I don't, see, you know, I. it took me years of therapy to finally be like, oh, people like a popular thing. I can finally like it. So <laughs> I'm catching up on all the things I missed the first 30 years. That's fair. That's but a very someone real did ruin struggle. a big death for me recently, uh, so I had I took a break out of anger. <laughs> well, today we have got a fun one for you. I think this was Austin's idea. About time. Yeah, yeah. Austin <laughs> had this idea for us a long time ago. Um, so we were talking about our favorite rotten movies, Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know, love it or hate it. Gets it right sometimes, but sometimes there's just movies that we don't understand why they're certified rotten. Uh, for this, our qualifier is that the movie has to either be uh, below 60 on both the tomato meter, which is the critic score, and the audience score, um, because 60 is the bar that makes it fresh. Or it has to be 30 or lower on one of those scores. Um, yeah, we each get four picks. It's going to be fun. Austin mentioned that he only has four movies, which is a bold move, Cotton. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Everything I like is too good. So I just, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I rewatched probably 10 movies this week, uh, and none of them hold up. 
that I think they they actually got it right. So, so none of them made the list. Got it. I okay. was uh, I was born for this challenge because all I like is trash movies. <laughs> every movie I like is like, oh, that's rotten. That's rotten. So it's uh, it's this is easy. He says with the three prequels posters behind him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So to kick things off, we're gonna play a trusty list game. I'm gonna draw from my deck of cards. Let's see. All right. Oh, okay. Well, you guys can veto this if you want. List game is movies with Jennifer Lawrence. It's random. Blockbuster is kind of strange that way. But uh, if you want to go with it or I can redraw, it's up to you guys. I honestly didn't know Jennifer Lawrence and Blockbuster had any overlap. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I know a couple. I don't think it would be that fun, but let's let's redraw. I think I think we need a, a more level playing field. All right, let's see. Oh, this is more broad. Another name, but movies by Steven Spielberg. So he has to have an actual credit. So no, no uh, poltergeist. But okay. You know. All right, let's go. Nick, then Austin, then myself. Uh, Et. Saving Private Ryan. Uh, the Terminal. Uh, BFG. Jurassic Park. Catch me if you can. Uh. Oh, uh, in Indiana Jones. For uh, need, need a title. Uh, Last Crusade. There we go. Okay. Jaws. Uh, the Lost World, Jurassic Park. Mm, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. Uh, well, now, when you say credit, does that mean directing credit? Yeah. Okay, so I can't say Land Before Time. Um, all right, Steven Spielberg, Lincoln, ah, uh, Bridge of Spies, uh, uh, Ready Player One, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg, um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ooh. Did he do that one? Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The only one without Indiana Jones in the title. Fuck you, DVD cover. I've been scraping the bottom of the barrel for a while now. I am out of Indi- uh, Steven Spielberg movies. Give you a five count for one last four, three, two, one. In the 80s, I don't know. No. <laughs> All right. Can, can I say West Side Story, or does it have to have come out yet? It has to come out, but good call. Yeah, it has to have already come out. Um, we said E.T. He didn't do Hugo, right? That was the other old white dude with glasses. <laughs> that was Scorsese, yes. <laughs> uh, Five, four, three... Two, did he one. do Forrest Gump? No, he didn't. No, did he? I'm no, that was no, that was didn't. Robert Zemeckis. Um, all right, I'm gonna think of one more. Let's see. Uh, Duel. I think it's called Duel. Is that the car movie? Uh, you have said two movies that I've never heard of. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the one from the '70s that he made. Um, okay. Uh, this is interesting. Because I don't know that there's going to be a ton of overlap, so I'm not really worried about mine getting stolen. 
So I'm going to say, let's see. I'm going to have Nick go first, Austin go second, and I'll take the turn. <laughs> All right, so Nick, kick us off. I just like to preface everything by saying that I knew more Jennifer Lawrence movies than I did <laughs> Spielberg movies, and that shows why I am perfect to be on this episode. <laughs> um, I am going to kick us off with a comedy from the early 2000s, Bruce Almighty. Oh, God damn it. That's really? no, pun, no, pun, no pun intended. <laughs> Bruce Almighty is barely rotten on, or barely under 60 on both, but it is. Um, I think it is an absolutely hilarious movie. I don't know how half of critics did not uh, like it. Um, they had a perfect, and I mean perfect, casting of Morgan Freeman as God. I don't mm. think we, no one knew that we wanted Morgan Freeman as God, and now we always want Morgan Freeman as God in every movie <laughs> that he can play God in. Doesn't matter which God, doesn't matter what, what religion, we want him to be the God. Um, and actually, I think actually more than just Jim Carrey flailing around like a lot of his movies like Liar Liar or um, even How the Grinch Stole Christmas, he is actually sincere. And it's like, yeah, he does some really dumb things with his God powers that he gets. But then he learns that it's uh, you can't do life if everything's being handed to you. And it actually has a very nice ending that teaches uh, teaches us a lot about uh, life and all that. Yeah, Austin, how do you? I heard you exclaim, "How do you feel about Bruce Almighty?" Yeah, I recently uh, was in Buffalo driving back, uh, and my girlfriend and I went on the Maid of the Mist just so she could yell, "Back to you, fuckers!" Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, I honestly was shocked that it was so low when I was yeah. like, "Oh, well, that'll never count." And then I was looking at a list of like movies that are rotten. I was like, "What?" Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just barely under the audience score because mm -hmm. I've actually never talked to someone who didn't like that movie um, that right. didn't have to do with, that wasn't part of a, like a religion. So other than that, was, I, like that's everyone seems to love this movie. I wonder if it was higher or lower before Evan Almighty came out. Mm. Yeah, people were like, "Oh, that movie sucks." Maybe this one was better. Because Evan, but yeah, good movie. Evan Almighty does suck, and like I, I hate that when you said Bruce Almighty, I thought of that right away and it was like oh i hate but i mean bruce almighty is great uh before he was in evan almighty steve carell's scene is obviously great uh yeah this is one that i've great too yeah 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 I, i've seen it like maybe once or twice but again i i was surprised that it, it's rotten i looked it up and it you're right it like just barely reaches it but i'm surprised it's not higher rated i, I think that this in the same vein, like I, I, I talk to people about, about Jim Carrey and it's either Dumb and Dumber or it's Bruce Almighty. Like they say those one, one of those two are their, their favorites. So, yeah, it was a hit in the, th in the box office as well. It made a lot of money. So I think it would have been a really good Netflix mm -hmm. movie that came out today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. OK, that's a strong first pick. Bruce Almighty is off the board, maybe off of Austin's board. What you got for us, Austin? What's your first pick? All right. Uh, so. This movie has, it's like a 70, 76% uh, audience score, but 29% on the tomato meter. And I, I can't believe it. Um, I also, I had one more Steven Spielberg movie in my pocket during the list game, but I didn't want to say it because I wanted to draft it. Uh, and that is Hook. Yep. Um, 
this was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Um, I think it still holds up. Um, I think the reason it falters is because people probably went in with better expectations just because I think the premise is probably better than the actual movie, but the actual movie is still great. Uh, yeah, and it, rewatching it, Mag- Maggie Smith looks like she's 90 in it, and she was 58, <laughs> which is just always mind-blowing when you watch a movie from 30 years ago, see an old person, and you're like, holy shit, they're still around. <laughs> and it has Dustin Hoffman. I don't know if there are going to be any other movies picked uh, that have so many... Uh, actor oscar winners because julia roberts is in it dustin hoffman is in it robin williams is in it bob hoskins never won for who framed roger rabbit but in my heart he did (laughs) or mario you know (laughs) (laughs) anyway Uh, that's my pick hook yeah man i was wrong about overlap uh that was that was on my board for sure it's it's great I i figured you were gonna try to get this one it's a great movie. I I use the word bangerang in like almost any situation. I just yeah, this movie's fun. It's just it really does a really good job of like balancing feeling like it's like a made for TV like kind of like goofy off the wall movie but also being really sincere and like genuine and you've got the moment of like I don't know that when I watched it Maybe the first couple times I was into the whole tink, like pining for Peter Pan thing, but it grows on you. You know, it's in the line that she delivers, like that space in between life and dreaming, whatever she says is like it catches you off guard because it's such a goofy movie. Not that goofy movie, uh, but it's a it's a dumb movie. Kind of. movie. Yeah, exactly. The only <laughs> one that counts for this uh, draft. Um, and she just throws you off with that line. But yeah, it's. It's a fun movie. It is. And I forgot that it was Spielberg actually until you until you mentioned that cuz it especially at the time it came out I think it was like 89, 90 91. Uh, 91. Yeah, so he was really firing on all cylinders and I feel, I feel like this is kind of forgotten you know in his filmography. So and it was John Williams. I'm oh, that's right. You- I feel like you had to be of a certain age to like that movie, and I was not. Uh, <laughs> that movie misses me on so many accounts. And uh, in doing research for this, I actually learned that Steven Spielberg, it even misses for him. He doesn't like the movie. Uh, uh, um, so I, I, I don't know. That's, that might be saying something. But uh, it, that movie missed me. Um, maybe because I was an adult trying to watch it. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah. Hmm. This is also, I don't know what else is going to be picked, but this might be the biggest uh, divide in scores with 29 and 76. That's wild to me. I don't know if we'll have uh, any that are like a higher tomato meter than. Well, I told you about one that's got, it's like ninety four audience and twenty five critic. I think. Oh my god! I'm not going to pick it, but I will bring it up. Can't wait to I, hear I about that. It. I'm one of the five percent <laughs> that hates it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, now I know what it might be, and I hope I'm right because I also hate that movie. Uh, all right, well, Hook is off the board. Great, great pick. That was on my board. So let's see. I'm going to pivot. Uh, okay. So this one's a little more recent. Came out in 2017. Uh, I feel like the horror genre, it, I feel like I am of two minds with horror movies. I I really like like 80s slashers and I like movies that are over the top. 
I could have drafted like Jason Takes Manhattan, which is like a 12 percent tomato meter because I love that movie. I do. But I also really like these crazy like the 2010s for horror has been really interesting because there are a lot of like really like dread building horror movies and very just I don't know, just very slow burn. Uh, and A Cure for Wellness is one of those movies. So have either of you seen A Cure for Wellness? I have never heard of it. Great. Uh, <laughs> I heard of, I've heard of it because I knew that uh, the Green Goblin uh, was in it, but that's about all I know about it. Yes. Yeah. Dane DeHaan is, plays the main character in this movie. Uh, he is a, I think he's an investor or like a stocks guy, and he is trying to find his boss who has gone away to this, like weird kind of like uh, wellness spa off in some foreign country. Um, very cultish. He goes after him and tries to find out what happened to him. His boss is played by Harry Grainer in a great performance. Yeah, great. This is another one with the wild cast. It's got the two awesome. of them. Um, Jason Isaacs is the kind of head doctor at the spa, which whenever, I mean, Jason Isaacs shows up in a movie, you're like, oh, oh, okay. This is not a good guy. Um <laughs> So he's in it. Mia Goth is one of the patients there, and her performance is like fucking haunting. It's a great movie, and it, like I said, is that slow burn, very dread filled. And then the third act hits, and it feels like a spiritual sequel to like Suspiria or something from the seventies. Like it, it is just off the wall, fucking bonkers. I'm sure there were reshoots because it tonally kind of doesn't match. So I think that might be where the disconnect comes from on. Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 42% tomato meter and a 41% audience score. So, you know, kind of that almost makes it. But yeah, I feel like schlock is something that you either love in a movie or feels misplaced. And another one of my movies is going to be embracing that as well. But this movie, I feel like it just once it hits that third act, you're either 100% in or you have tuned out so i would encourage anyone to check this one out if only to see that transition into the third act because it is fucking nuts the movie, the movie is like three hours long so you got to be like strapped in for what it's going to be but dane dehan i'm not typically a fan of his i like him in chronicle okay but it's probably his best performance it's it's a great fucking movie is it streaming on anything do you know uh i believe it was on netflix for a time i don't know if it's on there anymore but Either way, it is it's worth the watch. Um yeah, it's it's one that like I said, I think that it's difficult to get a gauge on how people how people feel about horror these days and especially with Rotten Tomatoes, like they give some horror movies like the highest rating possible and I'm just like I, I don't know if I watched the same movie, but I feel like a Here for Wellness is one that there was another one that came out in 2017 that I probably won't mention. I'll mention later for the honorable mentions. It's the same thing, it's like very slow burn, very it almost takes itself a little too seriously, but once you know what kind of movie you're watching, it's it's a lot of fun. But watch it for the cast alone, because like I said, Jason Isaacs, I mean, The Patriot and the Harry Potter movies, like the guy knows how to play just a despicable human being, and he's so great in this movie. Uh, okay. So for my second movie, I'll go ahead and go with one that I know we've all seen, and I... Wasn't going to draft this one until I knew Nick was a part of this podcast. Uh, because I, I know. From me, I swear to God. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, no. This is not one you like, I promise. You hate this movie, I'm pretty sure. Um, Nick and I disagree on quite a lot of things, but probably the biggest thing is DC movies. Um, 
I fucking love 1995's Batman Forever, and I don't. Oh care. my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this movie has a 38% tomato Ooh. meter and a 32% audience score. I thought the audience score would be higher, honestly. Nope, people still hate it. Um, <laughs> hey, I get it. This is the same thing as a cure for wellness. I feel like if you don't want, if you're someone who likes comic book movies and you don't want, especially a movie about Batman, to have campiness and puns and Jim Carrey playing the Riddler in a skin tight suit. I get it. Like I, I know that there is a certain crowd of people who are so excited for the take on the Riddler that's going to happen next year, like the Zodiac killer type. I understand that. I fully get it. My feelings on Batman in general are that he's a very overrated uh, comic book character used to be the biggest fan of him, but that was before I read like any other comic book in existence. Uh, and so I feel like, yeah, he's a good character, but there are other superheroes out there. Um, but I feel like Batman forever. Once you know, that's the type of movie you're getting and the tone you're getting. Yeah. It's like a throwback to the Adam West Batman, which again, that one just barely made it. Like, I think it was a little over 60 on, on both, but if you like that kind of superhero movie, you're going to have a blast. You get, <laughs> you get Robin, Chris O'Donnell's Robin doing uh, karate with his laundry. Uh, you get him. What is he? He says like, "Holy something, Batman!" And Batman's like, "What?" And he goes, "The the sewer. It has holes in it." And then Val Kilmer just kind of goes, "Oh!" And it's just like the best GIF ever. It's Michael Go is uh, Michael Go is Alfred. Yeah, man, I, I wanted to draft Batman and Robin to fully commit to the bit, but I can't even pretend to like that movie. Forever is where it's at, though. Also, only one superhero movie in existence has Kiss from a Rose as its theme song, and that is Batman Forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I loved every single one of these fucking movies. Okay. All right. Uh, I will asterisk everything by saying I love you, Kyle, and this is all in good fun, but Jesus Christ, you can't. <laughs> oh, my God. It's not even the Jim Carrey of it all. It's the Tommy Lee Jones of it all. <laughs> you just got Batman sitting in court. The opening <laughs> in full costume, sitting in the courtroom. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought up Tommy Lee Jones, though, and Jim Carrey, because... My favorite thing to come out of this movie is not even in the movie. It is, I'm sure you've heard the story that Jim Carrey has told, but there was a, there was a night when they weren't shooting the movie that Tommy Lee Jones and his wife happened to be at the same restaurant that Jim Carrey was at. And he walks over to Tommy Lee Jones and he's like, he's 90s Jim Carrey. So he's like, hey man, what's going on? He starts doing his bit and Tommy Lee Jones stands up and he goes, I cannot sanction your buffoonery any longer. And he just leaves the restaurant. <laughs> So the fact that they just fucking hated each other on set just makes me happy. I love that you kind of see it in the in the movie, but yeah, man, I, I get it, Nick. I, I understand. I totally get when you don't want that in the movie. I, I, I get when it doesn't connect. But <laughs> if you do, it's <laughs> the movie for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like being 20 years older than everybody else in the room and they're all on cocaine and you're not like that. But <laughs> That I was going to say the um, I don't remember the name of the gang, but it feels like I need to go on an acid trip to like walk through the like the neon paint and all that stuff. <sighs> yeah, going the streets yeah. Of, of Gotham. But yeah, <laughs> I love those movies because they were so. My grandparents uh, lived in Vermont when I was a kid, so they had no TV reception. It was in the middle of nowhere. 
So I only had whatever VHSs they had. And it was the Batman, all three, Batman, Batman and Robin, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, mm-hmm. uh, The Breakfast Club, and then the Die Hard trilogy. So that's what I grew up with. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you were set. <laughs> I would yeah. put this, so I feel like the consensus with the four Batman movies is people really love the first Michael Keaton one. A lot of people seem to like Batman Returns. I don't know a lot of diehard fans of that one. Um, and then obviously everyone hates this one in Batman and Robin. I think Batman Returns is like that kind of that walks that line of takes itself a little too seriously. Danny DeVito is obviously fucking great as as Penguin. But yeah, and it's a great Christmas movie, so it's great for this time of year. But I just think Batman Forever is like full of like just like off the wall shit and nick mentioned like you're not going to find another movie with that kind of scene where they're just like what the fuck is this gang what do they do in gotham other than this just terrorize chris o'donnell uh yeah it's just it's it's fun as hell i even think val kilmer like at, at the at his peak in this movie rivals I don't know, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale. Like, I just, I feel like he gets it because he's such a different character as Bruce than he is as Batman. Um, yeah, I think it's it's super fun. I'll watch Val Kilmer and <laughs> anything. Val Kilmer is, I love that man. Everyone go watch Val on Amazon Prime if you haven't seen it. It's a fantastic documentary. Uh, all right, that is my second pick. Before we get to Austin's second pick, we're going to go to a quick break. Welcome back from break. We are talking about our favorite rotten movies, movie certified rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I just picked Batman Forever, Breaking Nick's Heart, but we're going to move on to Austin for his second pick. What are you pairing with uh, Hook? All right. Um, I was trying to decide what order to pick these movies in. Um, but, you know, the world has been full of misunderstood art in its own time. You got Van Gogh, you got Emily Dickinson, Edgar Allan Poe, and you've got Jorma Tacone's MacGruber. <laughs> uh, the second Val Kilmer film in a row to get yes. picked. Uh, this movie is fucking <laughs> incredible. Um, and about five hours ago, Peacock just announced that they were going to have a MacGruber 2 streaming on December 16th. So I was like, I yes, immediately did. wanted to text Kyle and Damon, and I was like, oh shit. That would give away the whole game. <laughs> uh, have you both seen this movie? Uh, yeah, many times. I've actually not seen it, but I know the um, I know the SNL character well. <laughs> okay, well, just um, imagine it's like that. But if all of a sudden they were like, "Not only are we going to go uncensored, we're just going to be like," it was like back in the day when you'd rent a movie and they would have the option to be like, "Play the theatrical version" or "Play the." version where we say cunt 20 times instead (laughs) uh there's i don't want to spoil anything but it is uh an absurd movie especially it's a great one to watch with like-minded friends uh yeah got a great val Val kilmer kristen wig obviously Mm -hmm. steals the show in anything she does and she has like the best deadpan lines uh especially when playing off of will forte um yeah i love this movie yeah i so my my golden decade or like era of snl is i don't know the exact years but the time where you have like will forte 
Kristen Wiig, Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, Jason Sudeikis, you know, like those people, I feel like, I mean, I love, you know, the Will Ferrell era, but I, I just think those, they're all so talented in their own right. And then when you got them together in certain sketches, it's like fucking gold. And so the MacGruber sketches in general are just some of my favorite SNL ever. But the movie is just, it may be my favorite SNL spinoff movie. And that's bold because I know Wayne's World is out there. And even Wayne's World 2 is out there. And I love both those movies. But I, yeah, I, I, I just love it, man. I, you're right about Kristen Wiig. Because, like, Will Forte is just such a fucking weird but great actor. And it's tough to, like, match wits with him and then just trade jokes with him because he's just so odd. But Kristen Wiig is the perfect person to do that. And they just, oh, God, they, yeah. It's it's fucking incredible. I forgot it was Yorma too. I keep forgetting about directors, but that's the best part about it because he was he's another super talented guy. So I love. Has he directed yeah. anything else? I don't know. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he had done Hot Rod. I think yeah, that, did, that would make sense. Yeah, I know he didn't do Pop Star, but which I was looking forward to talking about, and then I was like, okay, people are not insane. That's actually rated properly. Uh, but yeah, Nick, I, so have you seen the, the sketches on SNL? Yeah, I've seen the sketches and I do find them to be hilarious. I was actually warned off of this movie by people that they said it wasn't funny. Um, <laughs> but also they may not have gotten it, which, um, which is maybe why Rotten Tomatoes also has it lower than it should be because there are times where critics don't get things. Oh, right? there's, there's nothing to get. That's the beauty of it. It's like <laughs> everything about it. Like Val Kilmer is the bad guy and his last name is just Von Kunf. So every time they're like, oh, fucking Dieter Von Kunf. There's also a bit uh, with Celery that is just... Uh, I could go on and on about this fucking movie. You just got to watch it. Oh, man, these are all great. I don't know if there's going to be a movie I dislike, but I may, I may have spoken too soon because it is Nick's turn. For his second movie, what you got for us? So I'm over here struggling if I should pick the movie that the critics got the most wrong or the movie I like the most. Um, and I'm going to go with the one that the critics got the most wrong. Um, it has a 30%, so squeaking under there, um, tomato meter, and an 81% audience score. So huge um, disparity here. And that is 2018's Venom. Uh, as said by uh, Eminem, Venom, Venom, Venom. Uh, over and over again, that was a great theme song. I like the return of the 2000s uh, rap theme songs for superhero movies. Um, this movie's just good. I don't know. Um, I don't know what they're missing. I, I don't know. 81% of the audience agrees with me. It, it's, it's just a good movie. It's not, it's not Marvel. It's not this uh, prestigious movie. It's just Tom Hardy having fun with a green screen. It's got Michelle <laughs> Williams in a wig. It's got, what, what more do you want? It's got a turd floating in the wind. It's, I mean, it's, 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 this is a good movie. All right. And I don't know uh, what stick was shoved up where, where the critics didn't understand like that. This is just fun and it's okay to laugh at yourself a little bit, but Venom is that movie and it's just good. And I actually, um, I like Ahmed's uh, Ahmed's villain. I know um, some people have said that it is maybe too on the nose with Elon Musk, but uh, you know <laughs> we've seen as, as time has gone on that maybe it's a little on brand, a little 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 on brand on purpose. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's I don't know. It's a good movie. I I'm just I think this is hilarious that you hate Batman forever, but you love Venom. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> 
No, but I, I, I didn't like this movie when I first saw it. I was one of the 30%. And I don't, I wouldn't say I love it now, but I have liked it more on rewatch. I think it's still in theaters. Go see Let There Be Carnage. It's a fun movie. Woody Harrelson is, is over the top in a way only Woody can be as Carnage. And he's great. But yeah, so what surprised me about this was Tom Hardy. Because he's, he seems like a guy, he's a great actor, but he seems like a guy who takes himself very seriously and he takes these projects where he's either his face is covered or he, you can't understand what he's saying and he's just like like i'm glad we're not talking about his other comic book movie but he he's he's just i don't know i don't i just don't understand his his method sometimes but it really seems like he loosens up in venom because his eddie is funny but him voicing venom is, is hilarious it's super super funny so this is this surprises me but it also doesn't like this is a very nick uh, choice. Uh, Austin, how do you feel about Venom? I've never seen it. Oh. Well, that, yeah, that also makes sense. Let me just tell you, it's a secret, it's a secret rom-com. So, uh, secret it is. Rom-com, uh, it's, I have it's heard a great that. Time. That, is, that is all. I, I don't know. I, I'm a big Nick Cage fan. I understand why he gets a lot of flack. Michelle Williams might be the greatest actress alive, and some of the choices she makes in movies, I just don't understand. But... <laughs> She's wearing a great wig in this movie. It's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. To, to your point, Austin, just to reference your Instagram a while ago, your Twitter or something, she does not have a good time in this movie. So if that that's, uh, you'll, you won't be able to watch it for that. Poor Michelle just needs a good movie where she can just have fun. Um, have you seen 1999's Dick? Yep. She, mm-hmm. she has fun in that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. A dick mention. First time I've heard about that movie in a long time. Um, the bong was. <laughs> so Venom is off the board. Again, I'm surprised, but I'm also not. Uh, Nick, what is your, your next pick? Um, you referenced them earlier. I have posters behind me. Um, <laughs> there's a movie. Um, it is called Star Wars. Uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace. Um, this Hell yeah. Okay, I'll it, take Phantom Menace. The... This movie is actually the only one that qualified, I'm pretty sure. Um, I have to check Attack of the Clones. But um, this one just barely uh, fell under the audience score at 59%. Um, 52 on the tomato meter. Uh, critics didn't like it. I don't know why. It's just, it's just as well made as most of the other Star Wars is. Either way, this movie is only disliked um, by Star Wars fans because no one hates Star Wars as much as Star Wars fans. I don't want to turn this into a Star Wars podcast, but I go <laughs> on and on about how Gen Xers that watched Star Wars in the 80s need, needed to get over themselves and let the Phantom Menace exist. Pod racing is fun, guys. Pod racing is fun. It's awesome. I wish they would have referenced it again in The Last Jedi instead of racing animals. Pod racing is good. Um, the, I went on a road trip recently um, with some people in a group that we're all in, and uh, I put on the Duel of the Fates, and everyone was bumping in that car. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. All I could think about is Darth Maul slicing people up. It was the, the movie was the movie was good. Um, it has its flaws. It has its issues. Um, it did come out in 1999, so um, we all got to take that into account a little bit. But uh, other than that, I, I mean, this is just a fun. This is exactly what you should expect in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. I. So I don't hate this movie i think it's probably <laughs> my honestly my favorite prequel i i think revenge of the sith 
in the last couple of years, people have all of a sudden been like, wow, Revenge of the Sith is a masterpiece. And it's like, all right, let's calm, let's calm down. Like, it's not it's not a terrible movie, but I, I don't think it's great either. I do think Attack of the Clones is objectively just fucking terrible. Um, but yeah, Phantom Menace is fun. Qui-Gon is a great character that he's obviously fans have really come to love him. Uh, he gets some love in the Clone Wars. Um, speaking of the Clone I mean, Maul's glow up from this to Clone Wars is also great. But I feel like this is, I also don't really understand the hate for Jar Jar. It's, it's a 99 fantasy movie. Like, what do you expect? There's going to be a CGI character who you're supposed, have you seen the fifth element? Like, there's supposed to be a character that is really annoying, but is a good guy. Like, that's just kind of how it goes with these. Uh, two things to that. Uh, the, all they did was replace Jar Jar's character with C-3PO in Attack of the Clones and made him the bumbling, uh, stumbling idiot. Uh yeah, that goes to Eric Hickman. He pointed that out. It's a great take. Um, and second off, Attack of the Clones did not qualify for this. I just looked it up. Uh, what? Somehow, uh, critics uh, gave the a sixty five percent, and that was beyond me. So, uh, if we're going, did the Rotten Tomatoes people get it wrong? They got it wrong on this. One. Christopher Lee isn't allowed to be in a bad movie. That's why. Yeah, it's <laughs> <that's> true. <laughs> Austin, how do you feel about Phantom Menace? Oh. I fucking love this movie. Uh, I got, so my uncle is a computer whiz, uh, which back in like 1999 was some weird intense shit. So he had uh, hooked up 40 different rotary phones to make these auto calls to uh, this contest so that we could win tickets to go to the Phantom Menace premiere in Chicago. Uh, so I got pulled out of school on the day of the premiere and we drove to downtown Chicago to go see it. There was a guy selling in a full Darth Vader costume, selling uh, popsicles, and uh, I had an entire pound bag of Reese's Pieces and vomited everywhere. Uh, <laughs> still love this movie though. My my first AOL screen name uh, was AP Binks 09, the AP standing for Austin Powers, which we might get to later. Uh, yeah, love it. There was a band trip back when we had to like burn CDs if we wanted to listen to music on long uh, bus rides. And I had for some reason burned Duel of Fates onto a CD and was just listening to it in the back like the friendless loser I was. And then don't, one of the cool kids was, There was a good reason you were listening to that. That's not. Yeah. One of the cool kids with the speakers was like, man, I really want to listen to that song from Star Wars right now. And I was like, well, <laughs> I got good news. <laughs> Put on track two, buddy, because that's what it is. That's amazing. Yeah, Duel of the Fates might be, it might be the best track Williams has done for Star Wars. It's it's up there. Um, I really love I really love Han and Leia's theme, but Duel of the Fates is 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 pretty great. Yeah, the fight that accompanies that is also top tier Star Wars. Like Qui Gon and Obi Wan taking on Maul is great. I love a fight that's like it moves around, and so you get them moving around that area and then like mall or getting separated by like the the shields and qui-gon like meditating is just fucking cool man it's it's yeah it's it's a fun movie and i'm glad that we're being pro phantom menace on this podcast because you're right nick no one hates star wars more than star wars fans and that's most of the people who listen to this podcast hello so <laughs> it's yeah i'm glad we're, we're giving credit where credit is due this is and a, it basically introduced you and McGregor to American audiences. So right, which is thank God for that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Ewan is Ewan's the best. Yeah, without this, we don't get the Kenobi show coming up, which is exciting. So I was gonna say without this, we might not get Moulin Rouge. So Oh, even more <laughs> important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh okay. That's a great third pick. Let's go back to Austin. What's your third pick? All right. Um I so when I was making my list, I was like, okay, I don't want to pick any sequels just because that seems like a lot of sequels are bad rated i wanted to pick movies that i thought maybe people like hadn't given a chance to before but i feel like a lot of people see sequels um however i did pick a prequel uh probably the only mcu movie that'll get picked and by mcu i am of course talking about the mummy cinematic universe i'm going with scorpion king Great fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> with this, we don't have The Rock. We might not have Fast Five. Like, this movie just kind of propelled The Rock into uh, our world. It had a 41% tomato meter, 37% audience score. This was Ouch. one where I was absolutely shocked that the audience hated it more yeah. than critics. Um, but it's still great, you know? This is, like, peak, like... If you were a fan of those stupid Steven Seagal movies that were always on TV, it's like you just got the perfect stupid one-liners. Um, this movie, oh, fuck, the um, um, the horse thief in it, I forget his name, but he ended up winning an Oscar, like not for acting, but for uh, screenwriting. Uh, but yeah, great movie. Kyle, I know you love The Mummy, so you must, love, of course, love this movie. <laughs> I love The Mummy, and I love The Mummy Returns. I, I, don't, hmm, I don't really know how I feel about The Scorpion King. I, you say, like, without this, we don't have The Rock. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I like Fast Five. I know Nick loves Fast Five. I would have picked it if I could. I don't know. Like the rock is he's more fun as a wrestler than as an actor. Um, but you know, it's, it's a fine, it's a fine movie. I feel like there are worse mummy related movies out there. So you could have picked the Tom Cruise one, uh, <laughs> it's like a 17% or seven. I think it's unbelievably low. Good job. Uh, Rotten tomatoes. Let me, let me tell you a story about a young Mick James. Uh, so, <laughs> I grew up, uh, not a lot of money, didn't have cable or direct TV or anything. So whenever I went over to my uncle's house who had that, um, The Mummy was always on stars, and my uncle always had the good stuff. So I'd always watch The Mummy. Mm -hmm. And then um, he told me about this movie, The Scorpion King, which had The Rock, who was the man dropping the people's elbow. And I, as a nine-year-old in 2003, when, uh, when that movie was, uh, was on stars finally after being in the theaters, I just turned it off and walked away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a kid who had no entertainment at his house besides the six channels that you could get with bunny ears back in the day. Um, the, when he turns, the CGI really, even back then, was not good. Uh, but I will say that um, if, we're gonna say, if I'm going to say that Venom is good, I will give you this. <laughs> <laughs> I also yeah, forgot Bernard Hill was in it until I rewatched it a couple of days ago. Oh my God, uh, that's right. King Theoden yeah. himself. Wow. Yeah, a year before he was in Lord of the Rings, he was. 
uh, inventing Chinese exploding powder. <laughs> Wait, who? So who is this horse thief that goes? To, who oh, wins? He, uh, he's the producer of Argo and Good Night and Good Luck. Um, what? Yeah, this, this is some Dean Pelton shit. Uh, <laughs> wow, interesting. And the okay. Ivy March. So I assume he's just friends with Clooney. Yeah. Um, that, that, that tracks. Huh. Which I was friends with Clooney. Yeah, because he wrote The Ides of March. He wrote The Monuments Men. He wrote Good Night and Good Luck. Hmm. Okay. Did he win for... I assume he won for Good Night and Good Luck. Um, Sorry. I don't want to put you on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> the Scorpion see. King, though. I might have to give this one a rewatch. I like Michael Clark Duncan, so... And I'm just somehow forgetting anything he does in this movie, which is, yeah, you should never wasn't. forget Michael Clark Duncan, but you know. He, he cross-dresses and that's, um, you know. It's 2002, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently he is best friends with George Clooney because they met in 1982 and he loaned George Clooney $200 to buy his first headshots. <laughs> what a story, I love that. <laughs> All right, well, the Scorpion King... Did not expect to get mentioned. Uh, that's off Argo. the board, though. Sorry. Uh, oh, he won for uh, Argo. Okay. He was uh, he was part of the Best Picture um, team that yeah. got got. I, say, I remembered his speech, and I was watching it, and was just like, "Holy shit! That's that. That's the horse thief. <laughs> that's the horse thief." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Scorpion King is off the board. Uh, jumping back to my next pick. All right. Let's see. I've got Cure for Wellness, Batman Forever. Let's see. You know what? It's the Christmas season. I got to draft a Christmas movie. This is another one that's just, it's a real stupid movie. And I think that's why I love it. I i have, I don't know. There are movies that I think are really goofy, but I feel like hide a level of sincerity underneath that kind of screwball comedy. So that's Fred Claus in 2007. I was I, expecting a different movie. There's a lot that could fit that for Christmas. Yeah, I thought movies, the third Jim Carrey movie was about to go. Yeah, nah, that's what I thought. I, I considered that one too. Yeah, um, I really love Fred Claus. It's got a 21% tomato meter and a 45% audience score. Didn't really hit with anyone, <laughs> but I feel like Paul Giamatti. You put him in literally anything, and he's gonna bring this like realness to it. And him as as Nick Claus, like. There's a moment in this movie, so the whole movie, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's Vince Vaughn, he is Fred Claus, he's Santa Claus's brother, uh, and you, it's exactly the kind of movie you would expect from that. He, you know, he visits the North Pole, and he's the, the bad brother, so he kind of fucks things up for a while. You get probably the thing that has not aged, the thing that has aged the worst from the movie is Kevin Spacey as the guy who is coming to cancel the North Pole. Um, <laughs> well... <laughs> He's canceled not too. So uh, he, it's tough because I don't want, I don't want to get canceled. I feel like shitty people are still great at what they do. And I think Kevin Spacey is, is really good in this movie. I mean, he, he is basically a character who kind of got fucked over by Santa as a kid. And so he's had this grudge for like his entire life. And that's kind of why he does what he does. But you have all these really stupid kind of tropes that happen Vince Vaughn is like the bad brother. Kathy Bates is their mom. And then all of those people kind of like fully commit to it. And I think that's why it becomes such a genuine movie by the end. And you get like this fight between uh, Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti where they're like throwing snowballs at each other. And it's like a, it's a 2007 comedy movie scene. And at, at, at the end of the movie, you know, 
Paul Giamatti is like, why do you hate me so much? And Vince Vaughn is like, I don't hate you. I just wish you were never born so I could actually have a mom and dad or something like that. It's stupid and it's like really cliche, but it's Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti. So they kind of deliver it in this real like sincere way. Um, you get, speaking of the mummy movies, you get Rachel Weiss as Vince Vaughn's girlfriend. And she's also, you know, it's Rachel Weiss. She's great as always. Um, yeah. And then like, I feel like, Maybe I have a bit of like rose colored glasses when it comes to Christmas movies because they could be like really, really like Hallmark level cliche and cheesy. And I, December is like the one month of the year that I'm not too cynical. I just I love Christmas and I love Christmas movies. So there's an ending where like Sinead O'Connor is singing Silent Night and I'm sitting there like weeping, like crying my fucking eyes out because it's just like Christmas, man. I just I love Christmas. So does, yeah. does she rip a picture of Kevin Spacey <laughs> at the end of it? It'd <laughs> <That'd> be perfect. <laughs> I assume both of you have, have seen Fred Claus. No. No. Okay. No. Nick? I have. It's it's fine. It's a it's a good Christmas movie. Um I too love everything about Christmas. Um so it is a movie that I watch. Um Maybe it's over sentimental and maybe it's uh, maybe over the top cheesy, but it is um, it is it's not a Hallmark movie. It doesn't go that far. It's not right. that um, it is. It knows what it is. And it's making a movie about, um, about Christmas and about family and about I don't know. It It, it is. Um, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> OK, I'll take it. Uh, Austin, I know you you'd love Christmas movies, so I would. This is another I one. Do. I don't, I don't think yeah. that it's streaming. It might be on HBO Max actually, because they picked uh, up no, a lot of Christmas movies. No, it is. It's on uh, Disney. Oh, th- yep, that makes sense. Um, so I, I recommend it going into the rotation. Uh, I, I am going to get around. Austin recommended the holiday to me, which I have to get around to. Um, You've never seen the holiday? Did we talk about this? We did. Damn, I must have had yeah. some wine. Great fucking movie. <laughs> I feel like I have. It just has been a long time. I vaguely remember Jack Black. Um, but yeah, so Fred Claus is great. You also get uh, what's his name? John Michael Higgins as kind of like the, the main elf, which is always fun. I love John Michael Higgins. Um, so yeah, that's that's Fred Claus. All right, let's see. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, throw out uh, just if we're recommending Christmas movies that maybe aren't as popular as they should be. Uh, the Night Before with Seth Rogen. Uh, oh, great Anthony. movie. Uh, Joshua Gordon-Levitt, uh, they or Joseph Gordon-Levitt, sorry. Um, they, uh, it's a very good movie. That, that's all. That's that's the that's the take. It's a good movie. I I'm gonna take it a step further and say that's the best Michael Shannon has ever been, and he's a great actor. But that Michael Shannon is incredible in The Night Before. Um, okay, we are into the final round of the draft. Still plenty of rotten movies to be scooped up, but before we do, we're gonna go to another quick break. Welcome back. We are talking about rotten movies. We have done some deliberating over the break, and we're going to pick one more movie. We're going to do five each because this podcast has no rules. Damon's not here, so I can do whatever the fuck I want. Sorry, Damon. Uh, Hope he finds a heart. Um, That's a Wizard of Oz joke. So we are back to my pick. This is my fourth pick. Not my final pick, but my second to final pick. Uh, What are words? I'm going to go with one... Hmm. Okay, I'll do it just because I kind of teased it in our our group chat. I don't have a lot of connection to it, but I feel like it should be rated higher. I'm going to go with my favorite 90s Michael Douglas movie. Came out in 92. 
I'm, of course, talking about Basic Instinct. Just kidding. The movie is rated ridiculously high. Uh, this movie has a 32% tomato meter, a 53% audience score. This is the 1992 classic uh, Three Ninjas. So yes. you may be asking, who the fuck does Michael Douglas play in this movie? Uh, let me pull up the character names because, uh, you know, Tum Tum? His name is Michael Douglas in this movie, and I don't know why, but that just makes me laugh so hard. Just the whole idea that a 90s movie had a character named Michael Douglas. So the kids are all, they're, they're the Douglases, and he, his name is Michael. But you've got Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum. Uh, their grandfather is a kung fu master, martial arts master. He trains them basically every summer to be ninjas. Uh, and it's a 90s movie about kid ninjas. So you know, I mean... The, the, there's a scene where they're like brought in by the FBI to try and track down someone because that's the natural choice. Uh, I feel like Nick Nick has been, been talking about this about like you have to be a, a certain age to really love a movie or not. And obviously, this movie came out before I was born, but it was one that we had on VHS. So like I grew up just always knowing the three ninjas movies. I looked and I didn't realize there's like four or five of them, but the first one is the one. Hulk Hogan is in the fourth one. Just he so is. Yeah. Clear I was, that. I was tempted to grab that one, but I don't feel like celebrating Hulk Hogan right now. Um, nope. but yeah, I just, three ninjas is just a fun time. Um, and I feel like just to, to be transparent to the people listening at home, I really just drafted this because I, I don't know why I just laugh the, at the fact that a movie was in theaters in 1992 at maybe the same time as Basic Instinct with a character named Michael Douglas. It's just super funny to me, but that's Hollywood. So, have you guys seen Three Ninjas? Three Ninjas? I don't think I've seen it since you've been alive. I think I probably saw this <laughs> one in like 1995, 96. There, there's okay. a scene where they're putting X lax in a milkshake, right? Yes, there are three ninjas. That's, that, that's the only scene that stuck out to me because I was like, oh, I got to do that. Yeah. Um, I prefer my ninjas to be turtles, but um, this was very this was this was a this was a good movie when I was when I was a kid. Yes, this was a this movie made me laugh. This movie was was I mean, it's everything I wanted to be was I wanted to be a ninja as a as a nine year old. I mean, who didn't? <laughs> yeah. You know who directed it? Because I don't Not do turtle. research. John Turtletown. Yes, I did. Director yeah. of National Treasure and National Treasure Book of Secrets. Movies that were so close to counting. So close to counting. Oh, the <laughs> second one was close to counting. The first was not. Get out of here. Oh. That first one was actually good. Uh, they're both good. They're both great oh, movies. One is uh, great. One is good. <laughs> Still need that third movie, but they're making it on Disney Plus without Nicolas Cage. I, so it's I, just, I, I, I don't want to talk about it. Why bother? But um, if they if the third movie that they already said they greenlit, I, so I've been tweeting at Bruckheimer for probably ten years now, <laughs> telling him about the script that I have had written for probably ten years now for National <laughs> Treasure Three, and if the third one comes out and has anything to do with the Grand Canyon, I'm gonna sue the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great idea! Wow. Okay. What is what does he steal? Water. Um, well, I don't want to talk. I don't. I don't want to give away plot details. The, the title, the working title, is National Treasure Three: The Treasure Is Love. <laughs> you have my money. I want to invest in this movie. Um, yeah. So that's uh, Three Ninjas. Again, this is this shows you like I I am not committed to picks. I just it's for the meme. I think this is a funny movie, and it should be rated higher. So 
we're going to move on to Austin's pick. What you got for us, man? Okay. Uh, I'll be interested to see if either of you have seen this movie. I ha- It came out 20 years ago, but I didn't watch it until I think a year or two ago uh, because I saw someone wearing a shirt that said, Josie and the Pussycats is a good movie. And I was like, okay, I'll watch that movie. And it's a fucking great movie. <laughs> This this movie is basically the uh, the Simpsons episode where they form a boy band to brainwash people into joining the Navy, but <laughs> it's a fucking feature length film. Um, in the first scene, it has it's uh, Seth Green, um, shit his his dude who uh, did Robot Chicken with him and was in Rat Race, uh, and it's like and um, oh my god. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Donald Faison. And they're in a boy ah, band. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is what the movie's going to be. And then they kill them in the first five minutes <laughs> because they discover the secret that they've been brainwashing people through music. Um, Archie Comics offic- had to like come out and be like, okay, we have nothing to do with this because it's so raunchy. Uh, and then they just greenlit Riverdale, so fuck them. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just a great movie. Uh and it's got Alan Cumming and Parker Posey. Oh, wow. I don't... Yeah. Any movie with Alan Cumming, as we said, yeah, can't be bad because we can't talk about uh, Spy Kids right now. <laughs> oh, ridiculously high. I love that movie. I just had... I did not expect it to have a 90. Um, and it's I don't... Rachel Lee Cook, Rosario Dawson, and Tara Reid in 2001. Mm. Oh. I don't... The soundtrack I've seen this. Soundtrack was an absolutely great CD. I will tell you that. Um, uh, the early two thousands was full of Josie and the Pussycat songs. And, uh, for me personally, but yes, I've never actually seen the movie, but I loved the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I thought I, like when you said the T shirt. I think I've seen that T shirt before, but I don't know that I've actually seen the movie. Um, you had me at Rachel Lee Cook, though. I just mm-hmm. I'm a huge psych fan. Just watched the the new movie on Peacock today. It's fucking great. Uh, um, I just watched the episode today where she leaves for uh, like Uganda or something. Yes, thank yeah. You. Yep. Love Abigail. I'm a big Abigail fan. Um, yeah, this is I, I guess I'll have to check it out. I, this is a movie that I just know the name of, but never hear about. I mean, especially it's weird with those names. I mean, Seth Green, Donald Faison. Rosario Dawson, especially like I just never hear people talk about it. So it's definitely gonna have to be one I, I have to check out. I don't even know if I know any like songs from the soundtrack. It's all obviously them, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you got to go into it with no expectations, but you might also want to look just like the world surrounding it. It was basically supposed to be like a farce on pop culture, and uh-huh. uh, so they had like a hundred different product placements just throughout the entire movie but they didn't get money for any of them they just thought it was like oh this will be like the funniest product to put in this moment <laughs> okay oh i think we lost a nick oh oh there you are okay i all thought right. you left the call you just okay gotcha nope, uh all right so that's uh josing the pussycats off the board what's up next what you got for us nick so Talk about music. This is a movie that I wanted to pick, and that's why I pushed for five. Um, this movie is about a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took a midnight train going anywhere. 
This is the only musical that I actually enjoy. It's got one Tom Cruise in it. It's got uh, oh. Paul Giamatti, Julianne Huff in her debut. Oh. Rock of Ages. Oh, oh my God. Awesome, great musical. I love it. It is no, everything. No, it is no, all of it. No. Tom Cruise is probably my favorite Tom Cruise performance, and I love some Tom Cruise. This movie speaks to me on levels that I can't explain to anyone. Do I know why I like it? Absolutely fucking not. Do I love it? I, I do. I know every 80s song with it. Catherine Zeta-Jones is the preacher's wife. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was, I don't know. I don't know, guys. It, this is a good movie. And, and I referenced the fact that Paul Giamatti's character tries to get uh, Drew into a boy band, but it's double the Z, double the flavor. <laughs> and they tried to do the new kids on the block ripoff. It's, it's so good. And I'm laughing because I don't know why I like it, but I'm not laughing because it's not good. I write. <laughs> this is the reason we expanded it to five. I I quit. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I don't know if I can. Uh... Well, okay. So the spirit of this draft is just you either like are into it or you're not. So I. I... I don't think the point is that I like don't understand why you, but I I just don't get what's enjoyable about this movie. <laughs> Kyle and I are musical fans though, so it makes sense I, we would I'm hate not, this. But since you're not, that would make sense. Only musical I yeah like, sure I, okay. Anyone who knows me would be like, why'd you pick a musical for a movie? And I'm like, I don't know. This is it's the not one. A, it's a jukebox musical, you know. Right. <laughs> but even jukebox musicals, there there's some good ones. But this is yeah. It's really just Moulin Rouge. Damon's not here, so I won't stab him in the back talking about Across the Universe, but it was just fine. Okay. Well, that's fair. Um, I just, yeah, I, I Tom Cruise is like, I, hmm. <laughs> he has a pet monkey. He I, has a I like Tom Cruise. I fucking hated this movie. I think, <laughs> like, my bar for movies, especially if I rented a movie, I was like, oh, I got to get my money's worth. I think I watched Wind Talkers four times in two days Ooh. because I was like, oh, I got I to gotta just get my money's worth. I rented Rock of Ages and drove back and returned it as soon as the credits rolled because I was just like, nope, I, what, the hate what did I just let happen to me? The only good part was that I was like, oh, my God, Julian Huff is the most attractive person I've ever seen. Yeah. And then was like, forgot about her as soon as the movie was over. Here's how I know I just really didn't like this movie is that I am I cannot stand Russell Brand and the movie ended and I was like uh, Russell Brand was okay. I mean his scenes weren't terrible. So uh but I'm glad you picked it man because there hasn't been a lot of like a controversial picks and I I, I don't know how people are going to feel about this one but Hey, your love for it. I, I love it. I love that this is one you connect with. <laughs> it's a rogue one. Anyone who knows me and knows what I like is like, what in the world? <laughs> Just, I, I, would, I would watch it right now if you were like, hey, put some Rock of Ages and watch it. I'd be like, cool, let's do it. I love it. Wow. All right. Rock of Ages is off the board. Uh, not that it was in danger, but it is off the board. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you got for us for your final pick? 
All right, final pick here. Um, uh, Kyle and I have yelled at each other, um, and actually yelled at each other about this movie um, multiple times. Oh, no. Um, it, it had to be picked. Uh, it's the only reason I was probably called on to this podcast, because <laughs> this movie I love in not, again, not a way. Um, that is hmm, 2016's, and I, I will even give you the theatrical release, but I prefer the Ultimate Edition, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, Rise of Wonder Woman, whatever. I name all the other terrible names for it. This movie is good. 29% barely cut the cut through. 29% on the tomato meter. 63% on the audience, which actually is way higher than I was expecting. Um, I thought I was one of two that liked this movie, um, but apparently I am one of uh, 63% of 100,000 people, so that's good. <laughs> um, I actually, I like everything about this movie. I think that it it tells a story that we haven't heard before uh, about characters that everyone thinks they know too well to hear a different story about. Um, I think the biggest thing is that if Zack Snyder had played with uh, characters like, let's say, the Eternals and did what he did with these characters, no one's batting an eye. No one is up in arms. No one's crying, boo-hooing. He's not taken off the next movie because everyone is so attached to Superman and Batman in these ways. That's why this movie is not liked. Um, you can save Martha me all day. That's still <laughs> a good scene uh, because of all the building they've done with uh, Martha, Martha Wayne and Bruce Wayne losing his humanity and finding it again in Superman. Um, Batfleck is my favorite Batman, not close. Um, this is the best Batman movie we've ever gotten. Um, this is a great Superman movie. It's a great allegory about what, people do with power um it's a lot my take is a lot more serious than i think people would realize that this movie is actually it's very good it's a great <laughs> allegory for power and how we are terrible with power and all that um do your worst uh austin go ahead <laughs> i've only seen the first five minutes of this movie and i turned it off so <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need uh, two hours and 33 minutes and you saw five minutes come on really man. All it felt like 30. That's well, exactly that's... correct. Um, I'm not just going to shit on this movie. I I would love to. So when I talk about movies that I, I really hate, I, I mean, there are movies that I think I are objectively bad, and there are movies that I think just weren't made for me. I think Batman versus Superman is probably the most miserable theater experience I've ever had. Uh, and I will say... You say that there are a ton of people who are connected to or like ha have like an ownership of Superman and Batman. I think that's true for Batman. I think that if you ask 10 people today what they thought about Superman, a lot of them would think he's a very overrated character. And that was even the case when this movie came out. I think that for a good reason, like I think he's the most recognizable superhero ever. Um, I'm a huge Superman fan, but I loved Man of Steel when I first saw it. I will say that I, I went to the theater in 2013 and I thought, you know what? This is a different take. I'm into it. Upon rewatches, it's not my favorite, but I still there's things I enjoy in that movie. Uh, Batman versus Superman. It's just I mean, you heard me pick Batman forever. So I like to watch people have fun in movies and it just this movie feels miserable. It feels like it just I understand the intent and I understand wanting to. Like you're saying, like, it's an allegory for power, and I totally get that, and I think that's a great idea for a movie. Um, I think that if you're doing 
something like that. There still has to be some kind of humanity in the script, and there has to be some kind of life in the script. And it just doesn't feel like there's any in there. <laughs> uh, but there's a fandom for this movie, and there's a fandom for Zack Snyder's DC movies in general and, and that universe. And I will say, I, I will I will go on record recording and say that I know a lot of fans of these movies that are terrible and they have kind of the reputation that these movies have gotten in the fact that they're like really like they're assholes about it and they think that people who don't like these movies don't get them and they're all of that nick is the most level-headed fan of this movie i've ever met like nick loves this movie but in a genuine like i, I just love what this movie does he doesn't talk down to you when you're talking about how you don't like it so nick and i yes we have we have screamed at each other over this movie uh, I think alcohol was involved, though, uh, and certainly accelerated the process. I will say one of the first times I don't want to just tangent the whole time and talk about this, but one of the first times that Nick and I hung out, it was on a Zoom call and I was asleep and there was other people on the Zoom call and Nick started talking about this movie and I woke up. Uh, so I like to say that there's supernatural forces around the fact that I don't like this movie. Um, yeah, I hate it. I just I just I hate this movie, but I am glad that it was picked because it's a very especially to round out your board as your last pick. It's a very it makes it a very Nick board. So there's that. <laughs> I could go all day and defend uh, defend it based on you saying no humanity and all that stuff. I won't do that because no one wants to hear it. Uh, you either already like this movie or you already don't like this movie. My board is populist picks. You've seen all the <laughs> movies that I've I've picked mostly. Um, you either like them or you don't. You're not going to change your mind based on my random opinions. But uh, but yeah, so there you go. That's that's what I got. All right. Well, that rounds out a, a, a great board. Uh, we're moving on to Austin <laughs> for his, great his final mark. pick. What you got to round out your board? Oh, boy. <laughs> when I tell you that I tried so hard to find a Nicolas Cage movie that I could like justify picking. Me too. Yep. <clears throat> there are probably 30 that qualify and I just I I think I've seen all of them and oh uh, god. I I know my buddy Brian is obsessed with Drive Angry and says that might be his best movie and I just I, um he only has I think one that has a 0% which is Grand Isle which if you haven't seen it it's Anyway, I don't have to talk about that. I'm picking 2005's Hoodwinked. Oh. <laughs> have you guys seen this movie? Yes. <laughs> I love this that movie. Was... This is such a good movie. This is rotten? Oh, yeah. it It's not great, man. I rewatched it recently. It does not hold up. <laughs> this is probably the worst animation I've ever seen in a fucking movie. It's, I, I just wanted to read a couple of the... Uh, critic reviews yeah it's 46 percent tomato meter 56 percent audience score uh my, my favorite was someone give these folks a real budget so they can make a movie that looks as good as it sounds <laughs> um the first time i saw this movie was in my senior year of high school creative writing class when we had to write fractured fairy tales and our teacher was like but well, let's just spend four days watching hoodwinked first Hell yeah. Um, it has an original Ben Fold song that you can't find anywhere. Uh, it's called Red is Blue. He wrote it for the movie. And then the people who were producing the soundtrack 
got into a legal battle with the producers of the movie. And so they pulled production of the CDs. I bought one in 2007 on eBay for like $50 because you couldn't fucking find the CD anywhere. So then I was pirating it for everybody in my creative writing class who fell in love with this fucking movie. Uh, great Glenn Close performance as the granny. Exhibit is in this movie and he is amazing. I just wanted to talk about the cast. Yeah, we got... Exhibit. Yeah, Patrick Warburton is yeah. just, of course, he's perfect in it. Mm -hmm. uh, he might be the best part. Jim Belushi sings a song about schnitzel, which, like, <laughs> just absolutely, I get it stuck in my head all the time. Uh, it's probably my only Jim Belushi performance I like, except for his tweets now. Uh, what? What's the shock face, Kyle? That just, that hurts. I love, I love Jim Belushi. I, I didn't realize that we disagreed on this. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Anyway. <laughs> Good sitcom. Uh... Yeah, so that's my pick. Wow. That voice cast, though. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking exhibit, at it. Exhibit, Anthony forgotten. Anderson, Glenn Close. Everyone yeah, I would never... Hathaway, Patrick Warburton. I mean, this is... It's tough for me to pick an Andy Dick movie, because if you gave me, like, Oof. one person in the world I could erase from the world, it might be him, but... Yeah, well, I... Oh, man. Speaking of Andy Dick, too, so the first time I saw this, it was... I think a friend had like bought it on DVD and I was stoned out of my gourd, which I think is a great way to watch this movie because yeah. it is it's, the animation is just really wild. And that twist, I'm not going to, you know, in, in case someone hasn't seen it, of course, it's a, it's a murder mystery. But like, you know, I was stoned and I was like, oh, my God, this is genius. Like I was just I was losing my mind at how genius this movie was. Uh I am curious now to rewatch it and see how badly it has held up because I, I still have great memories of this movie and not only that voice cast, but just there's so many things that stick out. You said the schnitzel song and I, I, I'm immediately hearing it and like all the kids, mommy, mommy, I want a schnitzel. Like it's just, it's, it's so good. I love movies that try and like tell a story where like, uh, what am I trying to say? that kind of jumps back and forth like different people's perspective you know and it's kind of overdone but the way hoodwink does it is genuinely really fun um yeah patrick warburton is is hilarious as the wolf i might fuck it i might rewatch this movie once we're done because this is just such i didn't expect it to be drafted at all i didn't think it was rotten i thought it was that was probably middling i thought it was like maybe like mid 60s but I didn't think it was until I rewatched it. I, I had built it up so much to my girlfriend, Jacqueline. Uh, I was like, you've never seen Hoodwinked? Oh, my God, we have to watch. She loves Disney. I was like, you'll fucking love this movie. And about 20 minutes in, I was just kind of like, oh, no. And I looked over at her, and she was just looking at me like, this movie? <laughs> this movie? Yeah, this. Yeah. I'm still looking at the voice cast. Like, it's still. Yeah. It's the Anthony cast Anderson. Is great. The script yeah. is great. The songs are great. The animation looks like, oh boy! If you wow. like, do, do you get you remember when Tiger Woods was in that crash and they did that like that Chinese news station did that reenactment of the crash with uh, animation? It looks like that kind of animation. Like it's, just, <laughs> it's not great. Oh. oh man! All right. Well, hoodwinked rounds out a uh, very eclectic <laughs> draft board. I love it. Um, I. Didn't expect to, like, the only one I think I haven't seen out of all of these is Josie and the Pussycats, so. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I, yeah, I guess I'll have <laughs> to check it out. Um, okay, 
Still a lot to choose from, honestly. I was hoping y'all would knock out some of these, but I'm going to go with one that... Oh, God, I'm torn between two. Okay, I'm going to go with one that is... it. it, it it's middling. It's got a 48%, I think, in both scores. To, tomato meter and audience score. It is another horror movie. Came out in 2008. And I feel like this is the one where it doesn't make sense to me that it is rated so low because it's not an extreme in style. It's not like a cure for wellness where you kind of jumps the shark at the end of the movie. Uh, it's just a very kind of by the numbers uh, home invasion movie, but it's really effective. I got to go with the strangers. Yes. I, I love this movie. Leap for like a week after seeing this movie. Yeah. Or, and I oh. slept in my living room with the lights on, like away from the doors. I was terrified. This movie is this movie this, is. It, yeah. So it's so effective because it's a, a, such a basic premise. You get Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman uh, away in this, you know, cabin in the woods or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they play it super well. <laughs> uh, and it's just these people who show up at their house with these really creepy masks. Um, I get on soap soapboxes a lot about horror and about how the genre has really kind of shot itself in the foot recently with jump scares. I think this movie has probably the single most effective, not a jump scare, because it's not loud music. It's not a sudden camera move. There, Liv Tyler is standing in a room and slowly as the camera, just, Nick is already, yeah, as the camera doesn't move away, the man walks out <laughs> and you see him for the first time. And it's, I watched this in broad daylight at like 3 p.m. And I was fucking terrified. I was alone in my apartment. My parents were out and I was like, I'm going to die. Like someone's going to break in and I'm on the eighth floor. Um, it's, it's so good. It's played so well. Again, I, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it. Now that I know you both have seen it, this is great because one of my favorite uh, sitcom characters of all time yes. is used to yes. perfection in this movie. <laughs> I thought it was going to launch Glenn Howard into fame. Honestly, I was like, hell yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, it. Well, yeah, because so he shows up and I was like, oh, maybe there, there's going to be some twist where he's involved. And then, nope. Oh, okay. Oh, he's gone. Uh, it's... Played so well, and I had never seen Scott Speedman in a single thing before this, and I was like, holy shit, this guy is great. And now it's just like, oh, well, he's in you. Like, I just, like, I wish he was in more things. I think he's a really good actor. Um, I thought you were going to say, I wish he was in me. <laughs> well, kind of. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I just think it's a very simple, great, effective horror movie, and I think that for even for people who don't, like like Nick just said, he hates horror movies, and this is one that it's gonna get get to you. Like it's just such a simple. I even looked up the movie Hush because I was hoping now that one is rated properly because it's a great movie. It's very similar to this, but it's one character and she is uh, deaf, so she can't hear the guy for a while, which is such a great concept. And he's right behind her, and she can't hear him like banging on the window. It's it's great, uh, but that one is rated pretty high. But this one, I think I just I don't know what what missed with people because people seem to really I think the second one is rated much higher which is kind of like predictable because it came out like last year or the year before and it's kind of got like the stupid like homages to 80 songs in it like it's much more of a general audience type movie this one is just very simple bare bones story it's like an hour and a half if that and it's just fucking terrifying and the masks yeah. are what get to you the um 
not to go off on a story tangent, but uh, I drove up to a uh, college to see a girl on uh, Valentine's Day, and we watched this movie. So I was oh. so terrified. Um, I didn't honestly like this girl that much at, because our date did not go well. <laughs> I stayed in her dorm room for three days because I didn't want to go home to my home alone by myself. I stayed with her. I was like, you don't like me that much. I don't like you that much, but I'm going to stay here because I am not going home to my house to be terrorized by people in creepy plastic masks. And just to this day, the, I don't know, it's not a twist. I'm not going to spoil it, but the, whatever the reveal at the end, if you will, it, 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 it touches me in a way that I don't like humanity all that much. It's, <laughs> it's not, yeah, no, this is a great pick actually. Ugh. Yeah. Austin. Yeah, this came out my freshman year of college. I uh, notoriously, especially then, hated horror movies. I was like, no, I scare easy. This no chance. Um, my this guy, I wasn't really friends with. Now, now he's one of my best friends. Uh, Ted invited me to this girl's dorm room because the whole floor was going to watch it because uh, we had co-ed dorms. It was amazing. Um, and there were like seven or eight of us ted was the only person in the room who actually liked me uh so i was just like sitting on the floor like hey guys what's happening cool great movie uh and then was immediately terrified um one of the girls whose dorm room it was had been doing homework earlier that night in her bed uh and um after the movie stretched out in her bed and put a pair of scissors all the way through her foot and so it was like I had left her dorm room and that saw that movie, was terrified sitting in my room by myself at like 11 at night and then just heard this blood curdling scream and was like, oh, my oh God, no. it's here. It's here. I'm not going out there. <laughs> I just locked the door. And then like the next day I found out that they had to have like five people carry her to the hospital because she had put the spare scissors clean through her foot. Oh, yikes. Uh, yeah, that's another thing is like even that kind of stuff like gore. Is not it's not used to an excess in this movie. It's just all in like. Was this Blumhouse or just did this inspire Blumhouse? Because this this, had, was, this predates Blumhouse. Which this had to be like the type of movie that just made him be like, I can make a lot of money making very low budget movies that mm -hmm. are terrifying. Like, yeah, I think the second one is Blumhouse, but yeah, this is this is definitely feels like the, the precursor to that. Um, yeah, I don't know what the budget was. I don't know the behind the scenes behind like you know, what went into making it, but it's just such a simple concept and it's proof that you all, that's all you need is a great concept and you just commit to it and it, you get something like this. It's, it's unnerving. It's I, that one shot I mentioned, doesn't even matter that I mentioned that shot when you know it's coming and you still watch the movie, it, when it happens, it's just going to, it's going to scare the fuck out of you. So yeah, that's, I, I, lo I love the strangers. Um, that rounds up my board, but I know there's a lot that we wanted to draft that we couldn't. So let's get into some honorable mentions. Are there any that you wanted to pick that you couldn't, Nick? Uh, yeah, here, hold on, give me one second, get to my list. Um, we kind of danced around it. Um, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas uh, with Jim yes. Carrey. Um, I thought that was what was coming when Fred Claus came out. Um, I think that is a delight. Um, <laughs> And then I also wanted to pick Semi-Pro, which I think is a very strong Will Ferrell showing. Um, also a solid Woody Harrelson, Andre 3000. This is a good movie. Uh, watch. Um, Kyle's favorite actor. Shout out. Love Me Sexy um, is a bop. You should play that at all times. Uh, 
And then I just have a bunch of sequels, um, which I kind of went the same way that Austin was. I, I know I picked blockbusters mainly, but like I tried to um, stay away from the franchises. But I have a Transformers, uh, Dark of the Moon on here, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, the second Fast and the Furious. Yes, and the yes. Uh, we're all on my list, but I wanted to stay away from uh, franchises just because, but stay away from the sequels to the franchises as best I could. Okay, Austin? Um, yeah, I didn't have many. Uh, again, I had a bunch that I rewatched and was like, I can't pick that fucking movie. Oh my God. <laughs> um, you talking about The Strangers, though, reminded me. Have you seen the remake of Funny Games? Yeah. Like the American version? I, yeah. When I first saw that movie when I was 17, I was like, oh my God. This is what <laughs> movies should be. This is genius. I rewatched it recently and was like, all right, it's all right. But like when he rewinds like the TV, oh, blew my mind at the time. Yeah. Um, what else did I want to pick? I, I'm, <laughs> man, I got everything on my list already. Um, have you seen the Owen Ohio? It's a Paul Rudd, Parker Posey, Danny DeVito movie from 2006. And my God, is it poorly rated? Um, it has, let's see, it's a 23% on the tomato meter and a 35% audience score. Yikes. Um, I, so I, I went to a county fair in 2007 and they had a DVD tent and I was like, oh yeah, let me buy some DVDs. And it was like, you got like five for 20. Uh, let's see if I can remember all the movies I bought. I bought the Owen Ohio because I was like, I need a fifth one. I bought the departed. I bought uh, Superman returns. Um, Fuck, I don't remember the other ones, but they were all like blockbusters and then the O in Ohio, because I was like, well, I get another one for free. <laughs> uh, thought it was genius at the time. It's got Misha Barton in it. Huh. It's like Paul Rudd plays a science teacher who's just like fed up with his life. He's married to Parker Posey and he can't give her an orgasm. And like he wants to hook up with Misha Barton, who is like his 17-year-old student. It's pretty fucked. It's a fucked up movie. I lent it to a buddy of mine who I talk movies with all the time, but he's much bougier than I am. Uh, he came back and handed it to me. So he just had a baby too. So he only gets like very limited movie time now. Boy, was he mad I lent him this movie. Oh my God. He came up to me and was like, this is one of your favorite movies. I was like, well, I never said that. It was just good. I haven't watched it in probably 10 years. But anyway, love that movie at the time. Um, and then have you ever seen the Chris Rock movie, Bad Company? Yes. Mm-hmm. I own that on DVD and probably haven't seen that for like 10, 15 years, but starring Sir Anthony Hopkins. Uh, <laughs> when I saw this movie when I was a kid, I was just like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Was mm -hmm. waiting for the day that it came out on DVD. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's like a lot of my, the movies I like are, it'll be like 20% critic score and 80% audience score. Oh, the one that I was referencing earlier, though? Let's see what the actual score is. Um, it's got a 28% on the tomato meter and a 91% audience score. Boondock Saints. Oh, yeah. I don't... Bad movie. I don't have any connection to it. Like, it just seems like people are rabid over that movie, and I don't really get it. But surprisingly... Like killing so... people. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, you talking about the movie that made me think of a movie that I referenced in our in our chat um, that I completely forgot about until right now. Um, if I were to tell you that this is the cast of a movie um, and you'd tell me that it wouldn't be good, uh, or I think it's actually good, but it's just never made a theatrical appearance. You got Ben Affleck, French Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Brendan Fraser, Alyssa Milano, Leah Remini, John Reese Davis, Matt Damon. Um, all in a movie that came out in 1995 that never got a theatrical release called Glory Days. It is, oh. about, it is about a young Ben Affleck who's a drunk in college, who is scared <laughs> to leave college with all of his college buddies. Matthew, McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey's character is rental truck guy, probably got $50 for that day. But <laughs> all of these, I got this in a Walmart, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I was like, Ben Affleck, this can't be that bad. It was great. That's it. That's it's a great movie. Go find it. It's probably not streaming anywhere. You probably can't buy it. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. some indie film, but it is just a good time about not wanting to grow up in college. I love it. Uh, okay, let's see a few movies. So, The Rocketeer is one that I like, but I can't defend it enough. And it's real close to that. That you meter. mean Rocket Man? No, I don't like Rocket Man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other 2017 one I wanted to mention was The Discovery with uh, Jason Siegel and Robert Redford. Really, it kind of feels like it takes itself too seriously at points, but it is really fun. Um, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World is a really stupid movie, but I do like it a lot in a fucking downer of an ending. Uh, let's see. Vantage Point is a really goofy like 2000s action movie that yeah. I really like for some reason. Speaking of like different perspectives in the movie, I love I love the way they do that. That's um, why I was hoping Phone Booth would qualify. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. Um, let's see, let's see, and then a couple that just barely made it, like like low sixties. Uh, the Jim Carrey movie, The Majestic, is super good. Mm. One of his more underseen movies. Um, my favorite rom com, tied with Harry when, when Harry met Sally, uh, Sleeping with Other People from twenty fifteen. It's like low. It's like sixty-one, I think. So just barely makes it. Uh, same with Major Pain is thirty-three <laughs> percent. So just that close. And I fucking love Major Pain. Uh, let's see. Draft Day is a fun as hell movie. No. Yeah, I know the face, Austin. I get it. But Vontae <laughs> Mack, no matter what. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> and then Mystery Men also just barely yes, qualifies. And it's a very, very good. I rewatched it recently, and it's a lot unlike a lot of these. It holds up and is a very mm-hmm. fun. Movie. Um, yeah. And then oh, the one. So you talked about Nick Cage. The one Nick Cage that I was hoping would be low enough for me to defend it is The Family Man. But that one still is oh, like great movie. I think it's low sixties, or maybe it's like low third, something like that. But it's you could have picked Weather Man, which is. No, good. <laughs> no, thank you. Or, I almost picked Ghost Rider just to just to get in there, but either of them, yeah. Um, well, that is. I love those boards. Those are all movies that I either have seen and liked, or they're Batman versus Superman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. First time. We hope to have you back soon. Anything you want to tell the people at home? Watch Batman vs. Superman with an open mind. Watch all movies with an open mind. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's honestly, that's the spirit of this. Is like, I would say Reaper stupid. Madness. Yeah. Yeah, th- these movies are dumb, but like, there's always going to be an audience for them. So, you know, check them out. Austin, thanks so much. This is probably the most I've agreed with you on movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we will be back next week. Damon will be back to, to captain this ship. Uh, we'll be talking about 
something. It's 11 o'clock, and I have no clue what we're talking about next week. But I'm sure it'll be something you will enjoy. So stay tuned for that next week. Bye, y'all.